Hello! In this episode, we will learn about options contracts using currency options as an example. If you want to learn about what derivatives are in the first place, please listen to another episode that I recorded on that topic. Options contracts are a type of derivative securities, and we covered other types of derivative contracts such as forward and futures in a separate episode. With futures and forward contracts, uh, you are agreeing to buy or sell an asset, such as a currency, in the future at a predetermined price. Options, on the other hand, give the buyer the right, but not the obligation, to buy or sell an underlying asset. So a contract that allows you to purchase the right to do something, but not the obligation, is a fascinating concept. So let's first make sure we understand the concept behind options. Let me use a simple example using flight tickets. Let's say you're thinking of a summer trip to Paris, the city of eternal lights. You search for flights on the United Airlines website and the website says a round trip economy ticket between New York City and Paris um, in July is available for, let's say, $1,400. Then in the bottom of the United Airlines website, it displays a button that says hold this fare and gives you options to hold this ticket and pay later. The website can hold this specific ticket with your travel dates at this price of $1,400 for three days for $12 or for seven days for $15 or for 14 days for $19. Maybe you feel that you need more time to decide whether you really want to go on this trip but do not want to lose this ticket, so you pay, let's say, $15 to hold this fare for seven days. After a week, if you decide to purchase this ticket, you will then pay $1,400 and get this ticket that's being held for you. But if you decide not to take this trip, you do not have to buy it. You do not have to do anything. You simply would be out of those $15 that you paid to have this ticket held for you. So this is the idea behind options, specifically call option in this case. Call options give you the right to buy an underlying asset, but not the obligation. Underlying asset can be commodities, currencies, stocks, and many other types of assets. In this case, you have the right to purchase a round trip ticket to Paris for $1,400, but you, didn't, you did not have to buy this ticket. So the underlying asset happened to be an air ticket in this case. And this options contract had one week till expiration since it was going to hold the ticket for you for only a week. The price for this options contract was $15. The price of an options contract is also called the options premium. Of course, the United Airlines website does not advertise it as call option and simply calls it hold the fare or fare lock feature. Uh, so they advertise it as reserve tickets and pay later. So what are the different types of options? You have call and put options. Call options give you the right, but not the obligation again, to buy an underlying asset such as currency. Put options give you the right, but not the obligation to sell the underlying asset. For each options contract, you have the buyer of that contract and you have seller of the contract. Buyer of the contract, whether it's a call option or a put option, is the one who's paying the premium and obtaining the right to buy or sell the underlying asset. Seller of the options contract 
is receiving the premium and is thus obligated to stand on the other side of the transaction if the buyer chooses to exercise the option and buy or sell the underlying asset. So usually the idea of call options comes easily to most people, but the idea behind put options can sometimes confuse people. Students sometimes will go, wait, I'm buying the right to sell? So if you can understand how the positions of a call option buyer, call option seller, put option buyer, and put option seller, so four positions altogether work, you would have, have, you would have understood the basics of options. So let me quickly recap the options terminologies before we move on. An option is a contract that gives the owner the right, but not the obligation, to buy or sell a given quantity of an asset at specified price at some time in the future. An option to buy the underlying asset or security is a call option, and an option to sell the underlying asset is a put option. And buying or selling the underlying asset using an option is known as exercising the option. And the specified price at which you can buy or sell the underlying asset is called the strike price or exercise price. The buyer of the option contract is also called the option holder or the long. The seller of the option contract is also called the writer or the short. So anything that gives you the right but not the obligation to do something should have a value. So the price of an options contract is called premium. The options contract will be effective only for a certain amount of time, so there's, there's got to be expiration date or maturity date. Finally, an options contract that can be exercised only at the expiration or maturity date is called a European option, while an options contract that can be exercised at any time during the contract is called an American option. So obviously European and American options have nothing to do with geographical location and rather about when you can exercise your right to buy or sell the underlying asset. People have used options for centuries, but they were not widely used because we did not know how to price them exactly. Think about it. If something gave you the right to do something but not the obligation, meaning you did not have to do it, how much should that right be worth? Right? Obviously, if the underlying asset is very volatile, an options contract on such a volatile asset probably would be worth more than an options contract on an asset that has much more predictable behavior. And also, the further out the maturity date, meaning the contract covers a longer period, the more valuable that options contract should be. But beyond these simple reasonings, it was still very hard to put the specific valuation on options. Anyway, a major breakthrough happened with the development of the Black-Scholes option pricing model in early 1970s. Um, the model values derivatives accounting for factors like time and risk, and, and since then the options market boomed, including currency options market. I personally would be curious to know how, for example, United Airlines prices those hold the fair or fair lock options. So in this episode, we will not go into the details of various option pricing models, such as the binomial option pricing model. For that, you really need to be looking at the formula, not just listening. So instead, we will focus on understanding the four positions I mentioned earlier. Those are call buyer, call seller, put buyer, and put seller. So let's start with the position of a call option buyer. 
let's say you might need to purchase a couple hundred thousand British pounds in the future and you're concerned that exchange rates might change against you, specifically that pounds might appreciate against the US dollar. And you see that call options are available uh, where each contract, each call option contract is for 62,500 British pounds. And let's say the expiration date is in three months. The exercise price is $1.50 per pound, uh, meaning if you purchase this call option, you will have the right, again, but not the obligation, to purchase British pounds at the price of $1.50 per pound. And let's say these are European options, meaning you can exercise your call option and purchase pounds at the maturity date in three months time, but not before. And finally, let's say the option premium is five cents per pound. In other words, you are paying five cents per pound basis to own a call option that gives you the right to buy pounds at the price of $1.50 per pound. Now, let's say three months pass by and we are now at the expiration date. If the actual spot rate, spot exchange rate in three months time turns out to be higher than $1.50, say $1.60 or $1.80, you obviously want to exercise your call options and buy pounds at the predetermined price of $1.50 instead of the higher spot exchange rate of $1.60 or $1.80. On the other hand, if the exchange rate at the expiration date turns out to be lower than $1.50, say $1.30, it's best for you to just let the options contract expire and do nothing with this call option and go directly to the spot foreign exchange market and purchase pounds at the lower exchange rate of $1.30 per pound. Because why buy pounds at the higher rate of $1.50 using call option when pounds can be obtained for $1.30 on the spot market, right? Of course, you had to pay five cents to buy this call option in the first place. So if you account for that premium of five cents, you break even if spot rate turns out to be $1.55 per pound. So let's say exchange rate turns out to be $1.55 on the spot market at the expiration date, then you will exercise your call option and purchase options, sorry, purchase pounds at $1.50 uh, instead from the call option seller. Then you can turn around and sell your pounds for $1.55 on the spot market and making profit of five cents per pound. Or um, you can say that you're essentially buying pounds at the price of $1.50 instead of the market um, price of $1.55, so you're saving $0.05 cents per pound. And once you account for the premium of $0.05 cents you had to pay up front, you, you don't lose any money, you don't make any money, and you break even at this exchange rate of $1.55. Obviously, if pound appreciates further and the spot exchange rate uh, turns out to be higher than $1.55 per pound, well, you will start making profit from this uh, long position on call option. Let's say exchange rate at the expiration date turns out to be $1.90. Um, well, you have the right to buy pounds at the preset price of $1.50 with this call option. So now you're making um, or saving uh, $0.40. Cents, that's the difference between $1.90 and $1.50 minus $0.05 cents, uh, for the premium. So now you are making or saving $0.35 cents per pound uh, since you have this call option. 
And since there's no theoretical limit to how high exchange rates can go, there is no limit how much profit a call option buyer can make. So in theory, um, British pounds could appreciate and become worth $20 uh, per pound. Yet you still have the right to purchase pounds at the price of $1.50 using this call option. So you're, you will obviously make much, much bigger profit if exchange rate turns out to be $20 per pound, which is, of course, uh, you know, incredibly high number. However, if pound depreciates and the spot exchange rate turns out to be lower than $1.50 per pound, you simply will not exercise your contract and let it expire. You will lose nothing beyond the initial premium of $0.05 cents per pound you pay. So your maximum loss from this position is $0.05 cents per pound. So as you can see, your payout is not symmetric. You have unlimited profit potential, but your downside risk or maximum loss is capped at the option premium of $0.05. Cents. And this is remarkable because most other assets that students are familiar with, such as stocks, have symmetric payoff, meaning if prices go up and you're at the long, you make more money. If prices go down, you lose more and more and more money in a symmetric fashion. But option payoffs are not symmetric because remember, options give you the right but not the obligation to do something. So now let's talk about the call option seller. Now remember, the call option seller is the one who writes this call option contract, sells it for $0.05 cents per pound, and later on has to sell pounds at the price of $1.50 if the call option buyer chooses to exercise this option and buy pounds for $1.50. So in other words, if call option buyer chooses to exercise this option, then call option seller has to stand ready on the other side of that transaction and has to sell pounds at the price of $1.50. So the perspective of the call option seller is the exact opposite of the perspective of the call option buyer. So in this sense, options are zero-sum game, meaning one side's loss is the other side's gain. When pound depreciates below $1.50 at the expiration date, whoever bought this call option will not exercise and simply let it expire and lose the premium of $0.05 cents per pound. So this means the call option seller just keeps the premium of $0.05 cents and nothing else happens if pound depreciates below $1.50 at the expiration date. However, if the spot rate, if the spot exchange rate in three months time turns out to be higher than $1.50, say $1.60 or $1.80 per pound, whoever bought this call option will want to exercise it and buy pounds at the predetermined price or the exercise or the strike price of $1.50 instead of the higher market exchange rate of $1.60 or $1.80. So the call option seller will be forced to sell pounds at the price of $1.50 when pounds are actually worth $1.60 or $1.80 and the call option seller will lose money. So the best case scenario for call seller is that the option expires without being exercised and the call seller keeps the premium. The premium of five cents per pound is the most money the call seller can make. The maximum loss on the other hand is unlimited 
since there's no theoretical limit to how high British pounds can get, and yet you, as a call seller, are forced to sell pounds for $1.50 to the buyer. So this is call option. So we just reviewed the position of call option buyer and call option seller. Now, let's look at put options. What if we were talking about put options that give you the right, but not the obligation, to sell pounds in three months time at the price of $1.50 per pound? And let's say the premium was again five cents per pound. Three months passed by and now we are at the expiration date. If the actual spot exchange rate in three months time turns out to be lower than the exercise price of $1.50, say $1.20 or $1.30 per pound, you as a put option buyer want to exercise your put options and sell pounds at the higher exercise price of $1.50 per pound instead of the lower spot exchange rate of $1.20 or $1.30. On the other hand, if the exchange rate at the expiration date turns out to be higher than the exercise rate or price of $1.50 per pound, let's say $1.80, it's best to just let the options contract expire and do nothing with this put option and go directly to the spot foreign exchange market and sell pounds at the higher exchange rate of $1.80. Because why sell pounds at the lower rate of $1.50 per pound using per option when pounds can be sold for $1.80 on the spot market, right? Of course, you had to pay $0.05 cents to buy this put option in the first place, so you break even if spot exchange rate at the expiration date turns out to be $1.45 per pound. If exchange rate turns out to be $1.45 on the spot market at the expiration date, selling pounds at the exercise price rate of $1.50 instead of the market exchange rate of $1.45 earns you $0.05 cents per pound. Once you account for the fact that you had to pay $0.05 cents as a premium upfront, you break even, meaning you do not make any money, you do not lose any money at this exchange rate of $1.45 per pound. Obviously, if pound depreciates further and the spot exchange rate becomes lower than $1.45 per pound, you will start making profit from this position. For example, if exchange rate at the expiration date turns out to be $1.20, well, you have the right to sell pounds at the preset exercise price of $1.50. So you're making, what, uh, $0.30? Cents? That's the difference between $1.50 and $1.20. So you're making $0.30 cents minus $0.05 cents. Um, to account for the premium, so you're making 25 cents per pound now if exchange rate turns out to be $1.20 per pound. So now let's think about what's the best case scenario for you as the put option buyer. So you obviously want the exchange rate to go as low as possible. Since zero is theoretically the lowest possible exchange rate, a put option buyer will earn the maximum possible profit if future exchange rate at expiration turns out to be almost zero. In this case, you as the put option buyer are selling pounds that are essentially worthless for $1.50 minus $0.05 cents for premium. So that means the maximum possible profit um, for you as put option buyer is $1.45 per pound. However, if pound appreciates 
and the spot exchange rate turns out to be higher than $1.50 per pound, well, you simply will not exercise your contract and let it expire. You will lose nothing beyond the initial premium of that five cents per pound you paid. So your maximum loss from this long position on call option is five cents per pound. So as you can see, your payout is again, not symmetric. Your maximum possible profit is $1.45 per pound when exchange rate, when future um, exchange rate between British pound and uh, US dollar turns out to be almost zero, but your downside risk or your maximum possible loss is capped at the option premium of five cents uh, per uh, pound. So, and all of this is because, remember, you don't have to do anything um, when you're the owner of, of a put option. So therefore you only exercise the put option when it's beneficial for you to do so. When it is not beneficial for you to exercise this put option, you just don't exercise this and you only lose your premium of five cents. Again, this um, non-symmetric payoff or payout uh, structure is remarkable because most other assets have symmetric payoff. So now remember that put option seller. So now let's talk about the put option seller. So remember that put option seller is the one who writes this put option contract sells it for five cents per pound. And later on, if the put option buyer chooses to exercise this option, the put, put seller has to stand on the other side of that transaction and buy pounds at the price of $1.50 from the put buyer. So the perspective of the put seller is the exact opposite of the perspective of the put buyer. So when pound appreciates above $1.50 at the expiration date, Whoever buys this put option will not exercise it and simply let it expire and lose the premium of five cents per pound. So this means the put seller just gets to keep the premium of five cents and nothing else happens um, if pound appreciates above $1.50 at the expiration. However, if the spot rate in three months time turns out to be lower than $1.50, say $1.20 or $1.30, whoever buys this put option will want to exercise this put option and sell pounds at the strike price or exercise price of $1.50 to the put seller instead of selling those pounds at the lower market exchange rate of rate of $1.20 or $1.30. So the put option seller is forced to buy pounds at the price of $1.50 when pounds are actually worth only $1.20 or $1.30 and therefore the put option seller loses money. So the best case scenario for a put option seller is that the option expires without being exercised and the seller keeps the premium. The premium of five cents per pound is the most money the put seller can make. The maximum loss, on the other hand, is theoretically $1.45 per pound, which occurs when British pounds are effectively worthless. Yet you, as a put seller, are forced to buy pounds for $1.50 from the put option buyer. So obviously we did all these previous examples on the basis of one pound. Typically contracts, options contracts are for a certain amount of currency such as 62,500 pounds. So you can simply multiply your gain or loss per pound by the number of pounds in the contract to get your gain or loss per one options contract. And as we said earlier, a derivatives market including currency derivatives is large. For example, on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, you will find options contracts written on several currency futures. 
This means the underlying asset is not the physical foreign currency, but the futures contract on the currency. So we're talking derivative securities on derivative securities, since futures contracts themselves are derivatives, right? So uh, at this point, maybe all those derivatives are starting to sound like math, like uh, differential calculus. <laughs> but options on the currency futures behave quite similarly to options on the physical currency. In the next episode, we will talk about what's meant by foreign exchange hedging and how derivative securities such as options and futures can be used to hedge foreign exchange risk.